Hi, and welcome to Sunday morning service here at the River Christian Fellowship. Pray you all had a wonderful time of resurrection morning last Sunday, and today we're going to continue our study in the book of Genesis chapter 16. This is one of those chapters in the Bible that, well, sometimes I think we can all relate with in one way or another, taking matters into our own hands and really not trusting God. It's interesting in chapter 15, where Abram was really walking with the Lord, so close to God and all these things. And then we find chapter 16, where everyone enters into the flesh. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we spend this time together, we just ask you that your Holy Spirit would would speak to each one of us how important it is to do it your way rather than our own way or the world's way. And so we ask you now that as we study together, may your Holy Spirit speak to us, encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things we all need, especially at this time, now that the uh, shutdown has been extended and all these different things, you know, we realize that our trust, our hope, our faith has to be in God. You know, he's the one that does make the difference. Somebody asked me a question one time. They said, well, how much do you do and how much does God do? Well, I think it's different every situation. Sometimes God did everything, like feeding Elijah in the wilderness with the birds. Other times, as we look at the life of Noah, he worked on that boat for over a 100 years. So one of the things that I would say is, we do everything that God in his word has told us to do, and he does the rest. Now, how much is that? Well, I think that depends on what we're doing. But if we're going to be about our father's business, I believe we have to do it God's way. And there's always a temptation to say, take a shortcut. Don't feel... Um, special or surprised sometimes if you come across that. Remember, Jesus, after he was baptized, was led by the Spirit, the Bible says, into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. And one of the temptations that Jesus experienced there when Satan said, all the kingdoms of the world are mine, the devil said to Jesus. Uh, If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give them all to you. And we remember that it's true. The kingdoms of this world have been given into Satan's hands. He got those in the garden in a square deal. When man refused to take orders from God, we began to take orders from the devil. We sold the whole world into slavery. And it's that way until we become born again. The second Adam reversed what, what the first Adam did, but we have to accept what God has done for us. And so it is interesting to me that there are shortcuts. What did Jesus come to do? He came to redeem the kingdoms of the world. You don't got to go to the cross. You don't have to die, Peter said to him. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because there's always a shortcut that the devil will try to offer you in, I believe, in many situations in our Christian life. Well, that's what we're going to look at today as we look in the book of Genesis chapter 16. So if you have your Bible... I just invite you to open them, and before we read, let's pray. Father, may these words come alive in our heart. May you reveal to us, God, the pitfalls and the blessings of being a true servant of yours in obedience to you, and the pitfalls, God, in rebellion. And so, as we spend this time in study, may your Holy Spirit bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now we find here in Genesis chapter 16, and by the way, going back one chapter as we mentioned earlier, God's covenant with Abraham was so amazing. He's told Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. And we find Abram walking with God in the spirit. And then chapter 16, we find some crazy things that go on. Now, Sarah, and by the way, the name Sarah means contentious. Uh, it's funny that, that her name would mean that because we're going to see maybe a little bit more why. Abram's wife had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Uh, and so we find this uh, situation here, very unusual, where she has help around the home there, um, had no children. And yet, as we read in chapter 12, chapter 15, that God was going to make of Abraham a great nation. He said, go out, look at the stars. Your descendants are going to be more than all of those stars. But yet Abraham says, how can these things be as I go childless? So as we understand this, and no doubt he related this to his wife and shared with her what God had said to her, uh, said to him. So Sarah said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Now, this is interesting, and this may be a little bit of a uh, uh, that which contributes to her name contentious because she says here, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. She blames God for not having kids. And in those days in the Hebrew world, if you didn't have kids, you didn't have any descendants, that was kind of a disgrace. And so she felt, I'm sure, very disgraced as well as possibly even Abram because of the events now that unfold. So she says, please go into my maidservants. Perhaps she'll obtain children by her. And, and Abram heeded to her voice of Sarah. Now, got a couple of problems here. First one is, she says, here, take my maidservant and go have kids with her. You might notice that Abram didn't put up any fight over that. He just kind of said, okay. Well, notice a little bit more here. And she he says, he heeded her voice rather than God's. God never instructed Sarah or Abram to do this. And I believe this is real serious when we get into these life-changing episodes. And without really consulting God, without really spending any time alone with the Lord, we begin to make these decisions. That's why I tell, and that's why the Bible says all the way through it, Pray without ceasing, it tells us in, in the Bible. Why is that? Because, again, we're asking for God's will to intervene in our life. And if we don't want God's will in our life, friends, God's a gentleman. He won't force his way upon us. But remember, the consequences are what we live in. And so he says here, Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Rather than heeding the voice of God, Rather than consulting God, he goes along and actually he kind of almost gets into a polygamous relationship here because he brings in Hagar into his, his bosom, you might say, and they begin to try to have kids together. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, 
her handmaid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt with it had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So notice it says that she had given him to be his wife. Now, this is uh, where we get into the polygamy here. And we find that, unfortunately, many of the Old Testament uh, people that God used, whether we're looking at uh, Jacob or whether we're looking at um, uh, King David, uh, Solomon, these men were, were polygamous, having more than just Two wives, actually, many of them had, uh, well, in the case of uh, Solomon, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Concubines were just a woman for sexual pleasure. And this is what Solomon had. Now, David had many wives as well. So is this what what um, God would have for us today? I don't believe so. I don't believe it fits the plan that God has for us, going back to the original plan that we find in the book of Genesis. Now, one of the things Jesus spoke a lot about was about divorce in the New Testament and that we weren't to divorce people. But however, something you have to remember, you could marry in that culture as many women as you want. The only thing that would prevent you from having more than one wife was being a minister. And this we find Paul writing to Timothy, the husband of one wife. So in other words, if you were married to somebody that was contentious, you didn't want to live with them, you'd build them a little house out and back and married somebody else. Nobody divorced anybody back then. Women were not really assimilated into society, and so therefore they would be destitute. But as far as getting remarried, you could marry many other people. And so again, even in that culture, the only prohibition was if you were a minister, you couldn't have more than one wife. Now, the point is, is this. Sarah, with her blessing, gave Hagar to Abram to have children with her. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she had saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Um, it, it is interesting that sometimes not thought through plans don't come out the way we think they're going to come out through. That's why... Uh, I believe that uh, seeing life through God's eyes is so important. Uh, people have often said, boy, if I knew that how that was going to come out. I'd have never done that. Well, wouldn't it have been great if you could have seen through God's eyes how that was going to come out and not done it and then be living in the consequences? Well, I believe this is what we're experiencing here because we find that that her heart changed once she had conceived. And so then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. Uh, Now, it's weird that she blames Abram now for what she suggested. But that's always part of what sin does. And that's how often you can find, if you're in sin or not, if you're finding yourself in the blame game, if you're trying to shift the blame of what's going on onto somebody else. Well, 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 God, I wouldn't have done that. If you would have done this, I, I wouldn't have done that. Inadvertently, we blame God. Now, going back to the Genesis story, when God says, Adam, where are you? Finally catches up with Adam and Eve. He's, he, he begins to talk to him and said, what have you done? And he goes, well, well, that woman you gave me. So indirectly, he was blaming the woman and also blaming God. That woman you gave me. 
<laughs> if there's a problem here, God, it's between you and her. Uh, I was just here. Well, we find that uh, the curse fell upon not only Eve, but it also fell upon Adam too, because he didn't do anything to stop it. You see, God is not a cosmic killjoy. God doesn't say, oh, I, I don't want my, my children to have any fun. The problem is God knows more about that particular thing we want to do than we do. So a lot of times we think, well, uh, I'm a king's kid. God wants me to have a good time. Uh, but this says this is wrong. Well, see, we don't see the hook in the bait. That fish didn't see that hook when he bit into it as you're fishing uh, and you reel him in. No, and we don't see the hook that the devil puts in his bait as well. And this to step outside of the plan of God, where God said that through you and speaking also of Sarah, I'm going to make you a great nation. They began to rationalize it. Well, how is this going to happen? And so I know we'll take matters into our own hand. Now we begin to find the repercussions of their decisions that they make. Now, something I, I want to really share with everybody, because I, I believe this is so important. Always remember this. God is bigger than the things that you've done wrong. I think that's only only God and true Christianity is like that. Religions of the world will tell you somehow how to get right with God, burning incense sticks, repeating prayers, whatever. But only our God begins to rebuild the damage that the devil has done to us. And that's a great thing. The Bible talks about God restores us. Um, uh, we remember God says, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, King David said. Well, that's because we mess it up a lot of times. John says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, again, it's going to leave a mark when we rebel against God. But God in his love and in his kindness and in his forgiveness begins to rebuild and fix what things we have done wrong in our life. The Bible says that he even takes the bad things that happen to us and makes them work for his glory. So Sarah said, my wrong be upon you. <laughs> what I did wrong, you listened to me. You shouldn't have done that. I gave you my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had con conceived, then I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. It's your fault that this isn't going to work, she said to Abram. Well, notice what Abram says to her in response. Abram said to Sarah, And indeed your maid is in your hand. Do with her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar, she fled from her presence. Um, hard to say what a contentious woman might say to somebody that's having your husband's child, but probably wasn't real good. Again, remembering her name means contentious um, is, is pretty, pretty tough. And so now the angel of the Lord, so, so Hagar is running, she's pregnant, she's scared. I think maybe a lot of um, single girls today that are pregnant might be able to relate with this a little bit. You're scared. You, you, you know you made a mistake. You don't know what to do. Um, for whatever reason, this condition you find yourself in. But know this, that God loves us, and he loves you. 
And notice it says here in verse 7, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water. Now I think this is really important because God, in her running, she probably didn't know where she was running, finds herself by a well. And in that place of refreshment, God not only refreshed her body, but also refreshed her spirit because God begins to talk to her. And I want you to know that no matter what condition you find yourself in this morning, no matter what fears you may have over the coronavirus, no matter what fears you may have because maybe your your job has been set back or, or even dissolved, know this, you got a God in heaven bigger than our circumstances and bigger than the circumstances that we created for ourselves. Now, again, that's a big God, and that's the kind of God that we serve. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning and you're listening to this, I feel bad for you because really you have no one that restores you. You have no one that watches out for you. You have no one that the Bible says is your father. This is one of the things that Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, stressed to them, our father, which art in heaven. See, you need a daddy. You need to have someone that watches over you, takes care of you, bigger than you are. A lot of people, you know, even as much as three months ago, said, I don't have time for God. I'm the master of my destiny. I don't need nothing from anybody. Well, things change, don't they? And pretty soon you begin to realize that if you haven't been affected by this global shutdown, and prayerfully you've not gotten this uh, virus 19, uh, we realize that life is bigger than we are. Sometimes it takes something like this, maybe in your personal life, maybe globally, to show us that we're not in control and that you do need God in your life. So don't be angry with God because you're going through difficulty because I think God uses those things to show us our dependency upon him. Otherwise, we can go through life thinking I'm in control, not realizing you're a heartbeat away from stepping out of this world into eternity and paying and standing in judgment for the things that we've done. See, this is one of the great things that Jesus said, that God will forgive us of all of our sins. You need to be forgiven. Because when you're forgiven of your sin, your past doesn't haunt you, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Yeah, maybe it left a mark, but God will use that in some way to lead other people to him. God's got a way of fixing everything. He's the great repairer, the great fixer, uh, your daddy in heaven. Well, notice it says here, she went into the wilderness by the springs on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, the angel did, Sarah's maidservant, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, something we have to remember here, I don't think the angel of the Lord didn't know that. I think the angel of the Lord knew where she came from and knew where she was going. But the question that God asked her was, do you know where you've come from? Do you know where you're going? I think that's a good question. I think it's a good question that a lot of us might pay to ask ourselves, where am I going in life? I mean, am I going to continue on the way I am? Do you want another 10 years like you just had? Or would you like to see something new happen in your life? Do you know where you're from? Do you know where you're going? You know, sometimes we don't 
stop to think much about these things until we go through tough things. You, you know, the book of Proverbs, Solomon writes to king's kids. You're a king's kid if you're born again. He said, you're known by the company you keep. You're known by your friends. Sometimes we get a pretty good idea of where we've been with the friends that we have. And if you find yourself with people that are contrary to the Spirit of God, that believe the world revolves around them, that they're filled with themselves, they're following, the Bible says, the course of this world. The word in the, in the New Testament, when it talks about the course of this world, it's the word weather vane. It means whichever way the wind's blowing is the way they will go. Well, you see, the Bible says there's a way that seems right into a man, but in the end there's destruction. And so if you're following the course of this world, the weather vane of this world, whichever way the wind's blowing or your friends are, it's going to swoop you along with it and take you further and further from the place that I believe deep down in your heart you know you want to be in. So he asked the question, where have you come from? Where are you going? And so she says, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah, um, I'm fleeing. I'm running. I'm running. You know, um, it got too tough. And she, she got scared and ran. Have you ever run? I think we all have. About different things. Sometimes we run to another state. Sometimes we run to a bong. Sometimes we run to, a, to, to, to the bottle. But some of us run. And where we run to sometimes isn't good. But know this, that God had his eye on Hagar. And even though she was running, she may have run from Sarah because she was mean. She may have run from Abram because he didn't stand up for her. But God didn't run from her. And I think this is really important as we look at this. The angel of the Lord said to her, and this is in verse 9, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. This is where the reward will be, is what God said. Go back. I'll be with you, is what he's saying. And the angel of the Lord said to her, and this is verse 10, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. It's going to be the same promise that was upon Abram and Sarah's eventual child, as it was to Hagar and her children. By the way, because of this little thing they did, they're having peace negotiations in the Middle East over this right now because Hagar's descendants were the Arabs. And we see that today in the world. We see this this huge number of people that don't get along just as they didn't get along, as we're going to read on here in the next few chapters, they didn't get along in Abram's house with Sarah and Hagar. They don't get along today in the world in the Middle East. It's funny, the repercussions of what our decisions in life make. Do you realize that decisions that you make, and oftentimes without God's directions, will have impact on your life for the next 10 years? 20 years, or even after you're long gone, will have an effect on your family. See, that's why, again, we need a daddy in heaven, tells us what to do, we'll listen to him, and not live our life in regret. Because regret doesn't do anything. It's the wish of would have. Wish I'd have done this. Wish I'd have done that. 
And we spend our whole life looking over our shoulder. And sometimes, not only in the pain that we're in now, but also those things in our past catching up to us and bringing about what we've feared. So he says here, The angel of the Lord also said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. Now, here it could have, up to this point, it could have been a girl. But here the angel of the Lord knew who she was. And this is why I believe it's important, going back to verse 8, who are you, where are you coming from? Where are you from, where are you going? The angel knew. He was asking that question for her benefit, not for not for his. It's like last week we talked about the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. It wasn't to let Jesus out. It was to let all of us folk in to see the tomb was empty. So God does a lot of things sometimes that are not for his benefit, but they're for our benefit. So we know that truly he's God. He says, behold, you're a child. You will bear a son. You should call his name Ishmael. And again, um, God hears is what this name means. God heard you, uh, Hagar. He heard you. He didn't forget you. He heard you. And his name will be called Ishmael. Because the Lord has heard your affliction. By the way, I don't think God took kindly to Sarah's treatment of Hagar after it was her idea for Abraham to go have a baby with her. So God dealt with this. But you're going to find God loves Sarah too as we get up here a little bit farther because God blesses her with a child and his name is Isaac. And that is the beginning, really, Abraham and Isaac, of the Jewish nation. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But here the angel begins to give her a little insight on who her son will be. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. Every man's hand will be against him. And he will dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now, Isaac was a child of promise. Ishmael was a child of lust. And we find that in lust, it never brings a peaceful situation. It says his hand is going to be against everybody. All of his descendants are going to be against him. It's going to be an ongoing battle in your life. And again, peace negotiations going on right now in the Middle East over this very thing. So what's the deal then? Well, I think if we're going to have real peace in our life, and we always want that from God. We, we, we ask the Lord in our life, and oh God, you know. But when we stop to realize the decisions that we make are either, either going to make your life as a Christian peaceful or that filled with, with uh, many, many unsettling things. So I believe that once again, as we look at this, we see that, yes, uh, Hagar is going to do this. Now, Hagar could have refused this as well concerning Abram, and she didn't. So we find that kind of everybody's guilty here on this one. And she called the name of the she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. Literally, El Rory. There's many names in the Bible that speak of God and who He is and the different names. Um, 
El Shaddai, the the, the, the overshadowing one, um, uh, Jehovah Tisikanu. Um, um, uh, we have uh, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. In the names of God, we find the attributes of God. And one of those, again, here is the God who sees everything. You know, I think we'd be well to recognize as Christians, and even if you're not a Christian here today, God sees it all. Um, sometimes in my life, I've been embarrassed to know what I've subjected the Lord to see in my life. God forgives. God forgives you and the things that you've done that you knew were wrong. But you see, you have a God that loves you. We want to be careful never to interpret God's lack of judgment in our lives as God doesn't care. That's a dangerous place to be. Because in other words, well, I did this and I did this and I did this and nothing happened, so therefore God doesn't care. No, God cares. That's called God's mercy. And I don't want to mix up God's mercy with God's judgment. Because God's eternally angry at sin. But he loves you and he loves me. And that's why we have this great love from God. The love that covers a multitude of sin. Peter said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. If that's what Jesus told a human being to forgive somebody else that sinned against him, how much more will God forgive you an innumerable number of times if you'll ask him? And so it says, for she said, I also hear seen him who sees me. Therefore, the well was called Bir Lahara. Observe that it's between Kadesh and Bered. Now, it's interesting. Kadesh means holiness, and Bered means judgment. So God met her between holiness and judgment at this well of water. Remember, Jesus is your well of water. The Bible says, out of your belly shall come springs of living water. And that water that we need to cleanse us from sin, that water that we need to refresh us and nourish us, God meets us again between holiness and judgment. You see, you need that. God keeps us in that balance that we need so much. God knew right where to meet Hagar, right where she was at. She, again, God asked her where she was from and where she was going. She didn't know where she was going. You'll notice she mentions that she was from uh, Sarah and, and Abram's place. She didn't mention where she was going. You know why? She didn't. Maybe that's like you today. Maybe you don't know where you're going. Maybe um, people told you, you know, if you get the PhD on the wall, if you get a lot of friends, get a lot of money, Maybe if you have a lot of stuff, man, you're going to be cool. Maybe if you're Gucci, man, then you'll have it. The point is, is that only God gives you that seal of approval. And if you haven't known where you're going, you know, a lot of times people, God will let people get where they think they need to go only to find the answer isn't there. So God in his love lets us sometimes extinguish our abilities to find meaningful experience in this life, only to find that, hey, it ain't there. I, I thought I was going to do all these things, and, and I would find satisfaction. 
years ago, and I quote this song quite often because I think Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones said it so well. From a worldly standpoint, I can't get no satisfaction if I tried. True words. Only satisfaction is found in God. Being about his purpose, being about his will, because everything else in this world, though you attain it, you will never be at peace because you were designed for a higher calling. And that was to be employed by the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, for you to be his child and eventually to be his bride. That's what the Bible says. So Hagar bore Abram a son. Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael, just as the angel said. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. We find about a 13-year void here between that and when he turns 99, and God begins to deal with him again about his own son. So by that time, Ishmael's a teenager. We're going to talk more about this when we get into chapter 17. So this morning, God will meet you where you're at. I pray that today you have a relationship with God. You know, we all are in a very, very unusual place in life. I talk to people, they go, I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You're right, we don't. We might be locked down longer. We might get the coronavirus. We might be out of here. We might die. We don't know anymore. Everything that we once knew was so white picket fenced. Everything was in a row. I have my house. I have my sidewalk. I have everything in the way. And God comes along and does this and just completely jumbles it all up. Now what's going to happen? Well, did God do this? No. I believe the Bible says that Satan is the destroyer. That's one of his names, the destroyer. I look around, I see a lot of destruction. I know this is the hand of the devil. Now people say, well, why does God allow this to go on? Because the Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of this air. God gave man a perfect place to live in. Man refused to live there by disobeying God. Now someday Jesus is going to come back, rule and reign over this planet, and eventually a place for all of us in heaven with him forever. But right now, we see a world that is pretty much controlled by the forces of darkness. Seen enough death lately? Seen those numbers on the TV screen up in the upper right-hand side as the numbers continue to grow, more people infected, more people dying? Friends, that isn't nothing compared to the tribulation period beginning in Revelation chapter 6. By the way, Revelation is in order. Anybody that comes along and tries to say, oh, this is the third seal or this, they're, they're not reading the Bible right. That's why they're numbered, because they follow an order. We're not in the tribulation yet. But friends, when we get into the tribulation, when maybe I should say those aren't born again, I believe the Lord comes and takes us home. It's going to be really bad. This is nothing compared to what's going to be going on during the great tribulation period. Again, starts in Revelation chapter 6. Uh, we've got different uh, videos up, teachings on that. You're welcome to tune in and, and uh, go to the library. You can, you can look at that. Um, uh, I've taught on Revelation uh, about uh, oh, six months ago. You're welcome to, to go look at that. But what's important is, where are you going? That was what God asked, asked Agar. Where are you going? And if you don't know, today's a good day to say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I want to be about your will. So whether I live is you, to die is gain, 
I want to be about your business. And so we're going to pray. And if you've never asked the Lord into your life, you can ask him to come into your heart right now and change you. It's just the place where you surrender your will to him. God, whatever time I've got left is yours. I've done all the stuff that the world says to do to gain the applause of men. That ain't it. So if you're tired of, of running around in circles, if you're tired of maybe somebody asking you, where are you going, and you don't know, pray this, and you will. We're going to pray right now. You can change your destiny from hell to heaven. You can take the sin that has haunted you your whole life and put it away because Jesus Christ forgave you for it, past, present, and future, and live in him each and every day. We're going to pray. All you need to do is repeat this. Mean it from your heart, and God will do as you ask. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Forgive me of my sins. I've not done what you wanted me to do. I've done my own thing. And so now, from this day forward, I want to be your child. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to love people and to have boldness to share what you have done in my life. And God, thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I never have to be scared of dying ever again. I know where I'm going. I'm going with you. And Lord, I put my life now in your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's simple. God didn't make it hard. In fact, Jesus said, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't make it hard. He didn't make it where only the rich get to go to heaven. He didn't make it where only the poor could go to heaven. He made it where anybody could go to heaven. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, that's for you. Now, if you have a Bible, start reading. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. Start reading in the book of John. Start in chapter 3. And just read, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. It's great. Read every day. God will strengthen your heart. You get used to hearing your master's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So the more you read, the more you're going to hear Jesus' voice. And then you'll know when the devil says, hey, you're going to, I know who you are. I've listened to that before. Ain't doing that again. You can be about your father's business. If you like, I got a couple little books I'd like to send you. God of Wonders, a DVD, as well as Evolution versus God. I've got a, a little book called Time to Grow. It answers a lot of questions for a new believer. And it's also great when you're looking for a church that these topics should be covered in basically their, their statement of faith, why they're a church, what, what makes them a church. Because these are things that are important, I believe, for a new believer as well as finding a church. And then get baptized. The Bible says... To, to to repent and be baptized, not for salvation, but it's an outward sign of an inward change. It's one of the first things we do as an act of obedience when we, when we become a Christian. And so be about your father's business. Let him bless you. Let him heal you. Let him restore you. For the rest of us, keep letting your light shine. I pray you do know where you're going. I pray you, first of all, you know you're going to heaven. And second of all, I don't know all the details about tomorrow personally. But I know God's already there, and all he's called me to do is show up, and he'll open the doors. Same he'll do for you, because God loves you. Well, we're about out of time. Um, hopefully, we'll all be able to get together real soon again. 
Uh, and um, again, I pray you had a great Resurrection Sunday last morning, last Easter morning. Uh, I, I pray that, um, again, you were able to, to once again realize you're valuable to God. Jesus died for you and has got a purpose for you each and every day. And so, Father, as we go, may we just go in your love. Protect us. Keep us safe. Keep us healed up. Keep the viruses away. And may we truly, Lord, follow you. Be about your business in everything we say and do. And we love you and thank you. Until next time we're together, may your Holy Spirit protect us, keep us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll be back together soon. Keep praying. Keep looking up. By the way, I read the book. We win. God bless you.